Good morning. The reading this morning is actually from Matthew 6, 25 through 34, which is on page 852 in the Pew Bibles. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. So I know some of you are thinking, okay, that's not 1 Corinthians. And then I'm going to make it even more confusing. I'm going to ask you to go to the book of Philippians instead here. So Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to encourage you to go there this morning. So this is going to be page 892, and the Bible's provided for you there in the seats. So this has happened a few times to me over the last 11 years where it comes to Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening, and I'm looking over my notes, or I'm finishing things up, and there's just an unsettledness in my soul about preaching the sermon that I've planned. And, um, you know, I always hate those moments. Um, so praying and thinking, and, you know, okay, what is it that's unsettling about it? I mean, the text is great. I was looking forward to teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 31. We're going to do that next week. But, um, but I just, there's, there's several things that have been in my heart and in my mind recently that I thought, hmm, I think the Lord's pushing me to go this direction. So we're going to be in Philippians 4 today. I've been thinking about it a thought for many years. And I've been just rolling around in my head. And uh, then recently at the Pastor Theologian Collective, Dr. Bullmore mentioned something to us as he was teaching. And it's this, is that we need the gospel every day of our lives, okay? Um, it's not just for the moment of conversion or the gospel's not just for the next life. We actually need the gospel in our life every day. And that's a piece I think sometimes we miss out on, or we don't think about as much as we should. So it's been rolling around in my head. I've been thinking and praying about it. And then there's been some other things that, uh, that has 
you know, come up in my life or whatever conversations that I've had that have, have underscored the need, I think, for me to talk about this today. So here's like a thesis statement, or I, I actually I didn't put it in, uh, I'll, I'll give it to you later on, is that being a Christian is meant to help you in this life as well as prepare you for eternity. I didn't put it on the screen, but I think it's in those notes. So being a Christian is meant to help you in this life as well as prepare you for eternity. Because I believe that a lot of times when we think about the gospel, we think about becoming a Christian, it's always about the next life so that we have forgiveness of sins and so we can be in heaven with God for all eternity. And that is a wonderful truth of the gospel. And anything I say today is not meant in any way to underscore or undercut that in any means possible. Because that is just a, a breathtaking element of the gospel. That you and I can have forgiveness of sins. That you and I can have an eternity in heaven with our Savior and our God. We can be removed from the presence of sin. We don't have to struggle with the things that we struggle with. We don't have to deal with all the things that we deal with today. One day, that is a reality if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is a huge blessing and just a breathtaking reality of the gospel. But it's not the only part of the gospel that we need to embrace. It's for this life as well. The gospel that Jesus has given to us is meant to equip us to deal with this life as well. This has been the thought that's been just rolling around in my head for a while. And then um, I'm going to make a very specific application to this. And uh, this can be a little bit difficult, uh, but, it, but I, I, I do believe it's going to be helpful. I'm going to make the application to this in terms of fear and anxiety, Okay. So that's going to be the specific application of the larger point. The larger point of the sermon is that the gospel is for this life as well as for eternity. That's the larger point. The illustration that I'm going to show for the rest of the sermon is about fear and anxiety, okay? So the question is, well, why are you thinking about this? Well, I see it all the time. I see people that are just crippled with fear. And I feel it myself. I'm going to share some stories of where I've had to deal with this, okay? I'm not going to tell you all the stories that I deal with this on. Why? Because well, I'm too afraid to, right? <laughs> okay? <laughs> okay? But the point is, is that I'm going to share some of the things that this has been very personal to me in. I've had family members that have been recently struggling with some of this stuff, some extended family members that had some, some conversations with that this has been a, a real struggle in their life. And so this has been in my mind. And then this last week, I was actually asked to speak in a chapel at High Point Christian School where my son goes to school. And so I, uh, I, I spoke in their chapel, and, and I talked about fear and anxiety and things like this. And the response from the teachers afterwards was more than what I was expecting. You know, people, teachers were telling me, you know, we need to hear this type of thing. So that got me thinking about this subject as well. And then also, it, it really is plaguing our students. Fear and anxiety is not just an adult thing. It is plaguing our students. So if you're a student here, I hope you're really paying attention to Sunday. I know that, uh, you know, some Sundays, um, it's a struggle at times, I'm sure. You know, but today, if you can dig deep, okay, students, and, and really listen in because this is affecting you in a lot of ways. I mean, in fact, according to one source, one in eight children have serious, serious struggles with fear and anxiety. Okay. And now, there's a lot in this subject where there's a lot of landmines that I can step on real fast here. Okay. 
And so I hope that we can navigate through that and then we can look at the scriptures and see what it has to say. So I'm going to pray, ask God's blessing, then I'm going to look at Philippians chapter 4. Okay, actually, let me read four, Philippians 4 and then I'll pray and then we'll dive in. Okay, so Philippians 4, verse 4 says this. This is page 982 and the Bible's provided for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, when we make changes like this, I, I, I do believe it's spirit-led, and I, I hope it is. And Lord, I just pray that as I have the opportunity to teach from this text here, I pray that the larger point of how the gospel is meant to equip us for this life as well as prepare us for the next life, I pray that that reality, that becomes a, a, a true reality in our lives. And then as we make the specific application to that or the illustration of the larger point through fear and anxiety, Lord, I pray that you guide this, and I pray that we would just have a wonderful time in the Word together here this morning. We're leaning on you. We're leaning on you for all things. We're leaning on you for enablement and for uh, discipline of mind and for focus and for attention and for understanding and for communication. And so we, we ask for your blessing and that you would receive all glory and honor. In Christ's name, amen. Two points. First of all, everyone has fears and anxiety. I'm going to start on the basic thing is this. Everyone has fears and anxieties. Everyone does, okay? Um, and we're going to unpack this in a second here. The re reason why I say this is because of Paul's command here in chapter 4, verse 4, when he says, do not be anxious, verse 6 rather, do not be anxious about anything. You know, it's a simple truth in, is that you don't really command things for some things that people don't need help with. So for instance, no one has to command you to breathe. It's just something that comes naturally. No one's saying breathe. You say, ah, but there are certain situations where you do, you hear people breathe, breathe, breathe. And true, that is true. But what does that mean? That usually means if someone's saying that to someone else, that means there's something tragically going wrong. Or that is showing that there's a problem that's happening. So naturally speaking, that's not something we really need a command to do is because we just naturally do it, right? And so when there's a command to do something, it shows that something is off or that you actually need the reminder for it, okay? So when Paul says to these people, do not be anxious about anything, when Jesus says this in the passage that Jim read for us from Matthew chapter 6, when he says, don't be anxious about anything, that is a universal command for all of us. For all of us that we need to hear that. So every person here, I don't care, you know, what your background is. I don't care what your, how stoic you are. I don't care how big and strong you are or whatever it is. You have fears at times, and I have fears as well. And so this is helpful to us here today. So Paul's command is the reason why I know that everyone has fears. But not just his commands. One thing about Paul is that when you look at Paul, you think that the guy at times is absolutely fearless. I mean, here's the guy that what did he do? He's, he, he's, he's, in a, he's in a city, and he gets beat for the gospel, okay? One of many times, by the way. 
He gets beat for the gospel. He's, he's, so, he's, so, he's beaten so badly that they kind of throw him outside the city and they presume he's dead. This is, this is how bad he's beaten, okay? They think he's dead. He's outside. What happens? He didn't die. He gets up and he limps back into the city and he continues the ministry there. Who does that? I mean, how, how could you, I mean, if it were me, I guarantee you I'm, I'm not heading back into the city. I'm gone. I pray that I would have a, a more response like Paul, but knowing who I am, I'm probably like, yeah, okay, you know, I'm done. So Paul just seems absolutely fearless, yet look what he says is his experience in 2 Corinthians 1. He says, for we do, want, do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. So Paul, the one who seems to have it together, seems to be strong, seems to have a, you know, no fears at all, he's saying no in certain situations. I was despairing even of life itself. So everyone has fears and anxieties. I told you I'd tell you some stories about myself. You know, the older I've gotten, the, the more claustrophobic I have become. Is anyone deal with claustrophobia here? Any idea? Okay, all right. How many of you actually like small spaces? You like that? Okay, yeah, okay, all right, okay. I know that I see some of these videos of caving, you know, and these guys are like crawling in these like tiny little caves, and it's like sweat is inside my palms. It's like, I don't know how people do this. So the older I've gotten, the more claustrophobic I've become. I remember flying in the airplane, and um, I was flying in the airplane, and all of a sudden I had this wave of panic come over me. Like, I got to get out of here. This plane is small. Like, it was a really kind of small plane where I was walking down the aisle and my shoulders were hitting both sides of the, the, the rack thing. It was this tiny little plane. And so I, I get in and I sit down and all of a sudden I just had this wave of panic after we take off that I got to get out of here. Like, like, I can't be in this anymore. Sweating, heart racing. And I was like, where is this coming from? It was, it was, it was disorienting in some ways. That was one situation. Remember a couple years ago, my family had the wonderful opportunity to go to Hawaii. My, my niece is stationed there, and it was our 20th anniversary. So we, we went over there, and, um, and uh, we, we did a hike. And there's a hike up this, I don't know if you call it a mountain or not, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty good hike. And so we're going and hiking. And, and, you know, it's like we want to get up there and see this view. We get up to a certain spot, and there's a lot of people up there. And there is a tunnel that you've got to walk through. And you can't see the other side. You walk through because then a dog lugs over to the left. And so I'm seeing a bunch of people come out. Uh, my kids are running ahead of me because they're excited. And I'm like walking through. And again, sweat, pan, you know, panic. Like I got to walk. Like I'm going to get stuck in this tunnel. This is the thought. And I was like, okay, guys, guys, stop, stop, stop. And I had to like stop. I, like I, I couldn't go through it for a second there. You know, and it was like, and my family was like, what's going on? You know, are you, you okay? And, and, you know, it was kind of embarrassing, you know. And so I had that, that, that happen. I had another situation where if you go to Detroit and you want to visit Canada, actually the, uh, the, the fastest way, depending on, well, at least for my parents' house, is uh, to take, there's a, there's a tunnel underneath the Detroit River. So it goes from Detroit to Windsor, Canada. And I have been through that tunnel hundreds of times, hundreds of times. We were coming back. We were in Canada, and we were coming back, and uh, 
I see, we start going through the tunnel, all of a sudden I see brake lights, and we just stop. So I stop the van. Yeah, and just, just panic, just, just starts overtaking me. I'm just like, I got to turn the van around. I got to, in just overwhelming panic, okay? And so there's fears and anxieties that, that just hit me out of nowhere sometimes. And so I, and I realize, okay, you know, this is not something I enjoy talking about, right? But I feel like I need to talk about it a little bit because I feel like I'm not the only one. In fact, I know I'm not the only one. In fact, when you think about what about the people that just seem absolutely fearless, I guarantee you everyone's afraid of something. They're afraid of failure. They're afraid of being forgotten. They're afraid of being irrelevant. They're afraid of no likes and no follows in social media. They're fear of the future, the economy, politics, fear of rejection. There's, everyone is, is dealing with a fear on some level, Okay. And so this is where Paul is saying, he says, I know this to be true about you, so don't be anxious about anything. That's not helpful. When you're in the middle of a panic attack, if someone tells you, hey, just don't be anxious about anything, okay, that, you know, stop, stop. That, that, That usually isn't the first thing that is helpful in that moment. So how do we deal with this? Well, this is where the gospel is helpful to us, okay? This is where the gospel is meant for this life, as well as the next life. So being a Christian best equips you to deal with fears and anxiety. Remember, larger point, I'm just illustrating, larger point is is the the gospels for this life as well as the next life. I'm illustrating that through this point right here, is that being a Christian best equips you to deal with fears and anxieties. Now, I need to say at this point what I am not saying, okay? I need to be very clear here. I am not saying that Christians should never struggle with fear. I'm not saying that Christians do not have fear or anxiety. I've already seen, I've already told you my own personal examples, and we've already seen the example of Paul. So that can't be the point here. I'm also not saying that there's no need for any other type of interventions. So you can hear me allude to medications there. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor. I do not know, I cannot give you medical advice on when medication is appropriate or not appropriate for fears and anxiety, okay? I just need to say that. I also need to say that I think you need to be very cautious with medications. And I think you need to have some very honest conversations with doctors about long-term effects and and how often you're going to have to change the dosages and things like that, okay? Again, not a doctor, can't give medical advice, but I will say this, so I'm not saying by being a Christian best equips you to deal with fears and anxieties that automatically precludes any use of medication. I'm not saying that. I am saying that it may not be the first place you start, though. Okay, that is one thing I am saying. And we could talk more about that on a more personal level if you would like to talk about it. So that's what I'm not saying about. Here's what I am saying. I am saying, as it says there, that as a Christian, we are best put into a place. So I told you, students, you're dealing with this on a much different level. So you, the things that you're dealing with and the pressures of society and things like this are a little bit different than what previous generations have had to deal with. Previous generations had plenty of things to deal with as well. Previous generations had to deal with world wars and all sorts of things. And so we've all had to deal with different things, but it's, sometimes it's just manifests itself differently because of the society and the societal structure that we live in. So there is, it's so common for students to say that they struggle with some form of fear or anxiety. It is incredibly common. So here's my point to you is that you want to get over that. Instead of just let that be a label that you embrace, you want to get through that being a Christian is the best way to do that, 
Let me unpack why and let me how. Okay, and show you how. First of all, in Philippians 4, it says, here's what do we do, okay? We pray, okay? Seems really basic, really basic, right? But this is where Paul starts with. He says, don't be anxious, but... In everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It's, it's like, don't do this, but do this. Don't you see that in the text? That's what he says right in the text. Don't do this, do that. Don't be anxious, but pray. I want you to let your requests be made known to God. So the very first thing that you should be doing when those waves of panic start hitting you is you should start praying. So I'm in the tunnel with the Detroit River over my head. I'm starting to panic, and the first thing I do is I start praying. Lord, I pray that those engineers knew what they were doing. <laughs> you know, I pray, I pray. Or, or when I'm getting ready to walk through a tunnel and the mountain pass, you know, I, 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 I start praying right away. Or, or whatever situation it is in the airplane, you start praying right away. This is what it says. Don't be anxious by anything but in prayer and supplication. This is also in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. How do we cast our anxieties on God? It's through prayer. How do we, how do we cast our, our care upon Jesus Christ? It's, it's through prayer. Is when we say, God, I cannot get to this. Or God, I'm feeling overwhelmed in this moment. God, I'm starting to spiral. God, I'm starting to, to, to I can't breathe here. Or I, I'm having these physical reactions as I was. I was having a hard time breathing. I was sweating. It was, it was terrible. And it, you just go to the Lord in prayer and God, God, I, I am clearly not right right now. I need your help. You cast your care upon him. He cares for you. And the reason why we can do that, the reason why we can do that is because Jesus, he understands deep mental and emotional distress. Okay? Garden of Eden, garden of, not Eden, Garden of Gethsemane, remember? And he is praying, and what does the scripture say? It says he is overwhelmed with sorrow. You know how some people translate that? Some people translate with anxiety. He was so overwhelmed. There was this, this is the reason why he says, God, if there be any other way, let it be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but your being. What is he doing in that moment? He's modeling what you and I do in that moment, and he's praying to the Father. In moments of mental anxiety, in moments of mental anguish, what Jesus in his humanity did is he went to the Father. He went to the Father, and he says, listen, if there be any other way, let it be done. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He cast his care upon the Father because the Father cared for him. And this is what he says, this is what you do. So we know that this works. We know that this is the, the plan for us. And, and then this is one of the reasons why I want to talk about this because sometimes as Christians, we put fear and anxiety almost in this little box where it's like, okay, uh, a professional has to deal with this and Christians aren't really equipped to deal with this. The Bible tells us how to deal with this, my friend. It really does. It really, really does. So we pray. Jesus understands the deep emotional turmoil. And then what can we expect here? What we can expect here is that the peace of God guards our hearts and minds, okay? It's, it's what it says, right? Verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In a moment of panic, in a moment of crippling fear, what do you need? You need your heart and your mind guarded in that moment. That's what you need. Because we'll spiral. We will go all over the place. We will start assuming other things. We just got to go to the Lord in prayer and have the peace of God um, rule our hearts and our minds. But here's the thing. Students, adults alike, listen. You can't expect 
the peace of God to rule your hearts unless you know that you have peace with God. Okay? You can't expect the peace of God to rule your heart and mind in a moment of panic or fear or anxiety if you don't have peace with God. Revelation, excuse me, Romans, it says, it says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's what it says. It says that if we're not a Christian, this is why I said being a Christian best equips us for this. If we're not a Christian, then we don't have the peace with God, so we can't expect the peace of God. So being a believer in Christ is paramount to this. Is that we need to understand that, that what sin does, sin causes separation, sin causes uh, enmity between uh, uh, creation and, and God. And so that had to be settled, that had to be taken care of. Jesus came, lived that perfect life of obedience. He came, he lived a life that you and I couldn't live, my friends. And then he died. The wages of sin is death. That was always the punishment. So Jesus took that on himself. That's why he says, there be any other way, let it be so. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Because he knew that was the only way. And that's why he went to the cross. And he hung on the cross. And, and he was killed. And they put him in the tomb for three days. And then he conquered death by ra- rising again from the dead and living for eternity. And he says, I have satisfied the wrath of God. Therefore, I can rise again. And therefore, you believe in me. Believe in me. You can have the same peace with God that I have with God. My friends, salvation is available. And that's what best equips us to deal with fears and anxieties. We can't expect the peace of God unless we have peace with God. So today, maybe that's, maybe that's step one. Maybe someone here today just says, I need to repent. I need to follow Christ. I need to accept him as my savior. I guarantee you do that. You're on a much better path to dealing with fears and anxieties than if you don't. So the, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. Then there's another thing here in verse 8 he tells us to do. He says, whatever is true, and he goes through a whole list of stuff. And in the end he says, Think about these things. For me, in dealing with fears and anxieties, this has been one of the biggest helps to me right here. Because I know I'm a believer in Christ. I can reasonably expect that I should have the peace of God, but it's being threatened by a circumstance. It's being threatened by something. So what do I do in that moment? Okay? Let me just share my own story. Okay? I have developed this idea of I just tell me you gotta think on things that are true Jeremy think on things that are true right now I'm in the airplane we're flying up in the air panic is over me sweating profusely and I'm thinking I gotta get out of here Jeremy think on things that are true do you really want to get out of this plane right now I don't (laughs) I don't have a parachute (laughs) and honestly being afraid of heights, parachuting isn't the first thing on my agenda anyway, you know? So it's like, okay, think on things that are true, okay? Still, that's, that's helpful a little bit, okay? Helpful a little bit. I still get it out of here. Okay, Jeremy, how many thousands of people have been in this airplane or have, have flown? How many, how many thousands of flights have happened today and there haven't been a crash? How many times have you flown before and there's never been an issue? How many, so you start thinking on things that are true. That's been incredibly helpful to me. Going up the mountain. 
literally my kids are starting to go into mine. I call him back. I think it was Isaiah. I was like, hey, yeah, 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 come back, come back. He comes back like, what's going on, Dad? I mean, you got to complain. I mean, I, I, I know. And then, you know, my mom was with us, my wife, and your kids were there. And they, they saw that I was just like really strong. I, said, I, I, I just, I just, I mean, I just, I just had this panic attack. I just can't get in there. And so what did they do? They were very kind. They were loving. They said, we don't have to go on any further. We can just go back down. And I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I've got to get through this. I've got to face this. I can't run from this. I just need a second. So I prayed. I said, okay, thinking things are true, Jeremy. What is true? What is true about this situation? You see a whole bunch of people coming in and out of that tunnel. They're all smiling. They're all laughing. I asked one person, I said, they came through. I said, how, how far is it? Ah, oh, it's not that far. I said, okay, okay. You know, thinking things are true. Think of things that are true. How many times have people walked through this and back and everything, and, and it's been no problem? Okay, I'm going to do this. God, I need your help. And so I went through it. And I got through it. And when I saw, when I turned left, I'll never forget, and I saw the daylight at the end. It's like, oh, boy, here I go. <laughs> you know, and you get out there. And I was like, okay, I'm glad I did it. And then I remembered, I had to go back down. <laughs> I got to do this again. <laughs> All right. But I'll tell you, the second time was a lot easier. I, I'm telling you, I walked up to the entrance of it the second time, same thing started coming up. And what did I say? I said, God, you've already taken me safely through this. Secondly, you know how long this is. Just, just, just Jeremy, just stop. And it was the peace of God that guarded my heart and mind, and I just, I just walked through it, okay? I can tell the other story about the tunnel, a very similar thing under the river. It's very similar. Think on things that are true. So whatever situation you're in, think on things that are true about the situation. Because in a moment of panic, in a moment of fear, what we typically do is we start ex- uh, exaggerating the situation. And we start thinking irrationally about it. And so you've got to think about what is true. Okay, am I really truly in an unsafe situation here? Am I really truly, is this really truly that bad? Okay, is God, did he suddenly decide not to be with me? Did he suddenly decide that he wasn't going to care for me? And even if something bad does happen, did God say, okay, I'm just no longer caring about you? You know that that's not true. Think on things that are true, okay? So what about things that are true that we need to think about? First of all, what is true about God in that situation? Okay, put yourself in my spot. You're getting ready to walk through a mountain pass. You're starting getting like sweaty. Your heart's racing. What do you think about true in that moment? Think about things that are true about God. I've told you this before. You got to believe this about God and you get through anything. That he's good. And he's all powerful. Okay? And he's got to be both. Because if he's good but not all powerful, he can have the best intentions for us. But then he has no ability to really make sure those things happen. But if he's all powerful but not good, then he can use his power to go against us. And so he's both. The Bible teaches he's both. But then the Bible also teaches another thing. And this is when that text that Jim read for us earlier, Matthew chapter 6, is that he cares. So I remind myself of these three things every time I start feeling a panic attack coming on of like, okay, God's good, he's sovereign, and he cares. Okay? And, 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 this, is, and this is what the text says and Matthew says when Jesus was talking about this. He says, don't you know that your father, I mean, look at look what he does for the lilies. Look at what he does for this. This is an argument for the lesser is the greater. He says, look how he clothes them. Look how he cares for them. Surely if he takes that much interest and that much detail and that much care for them, surely he cares for you. Don't you remember Jim reading that text, Matthew 6? You see, think of things that are true about God. He's good. He's powerful. He cares. 
Train your mind to think about it. Write these things down. I guarantee you, being a Christian best equips, equips you to deal with these things. So you think of things that are true about God, but also think of things that are true about the situation. All right? I told you uh, how I dealt with the situations there, but, but in this text here, the apostle is writing this, and he's saying, think of things that are true here. And what was true about his situation in Philippians? Do you remember? Where was he? Prison. Here is a guy sitting in a prison cell saying, don't be anxious. Think of things that are true. Think of but the reason why he did it, because if you were to read, you go back in chapter 1, you would see, hey, guys, this is what Paul's saying. This is the Jeremy version. Hey, guys, listen, I'm in prison, but listen, God is working his plan here. I mean, the palace guard is hearing about Christ. They have chained me up, but they've chained me to people who have to listen to me preach to them. This is awesome. This is great. Now, if anyone had a situation in which it could be very anxious and fear-ridden, it would be Paul, and he had those as we write about in Corinthians. But here, he saw God working his plan. That was what was true about the situation. What was true about the situation was that God was in it, even though on the first brush of it, it seems like God had forgotten Paul. But God knew. God was using the situation there for good. The same is true about whatever situation you're in. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, and there's panic and fear, and listen, I know that there's even some really terrible things, okay, that things happen to us. They're just awful. And I don't understand all the reasons why. I'll be the first to tell you that. But I will tell you this, that God won't waste it. I don't know what that looks like, and I'm not telling you it's easy, in fact, I'm going to tell you it's going to be really difficult. But God won't waste it. doesn't mean that he wanted people to do those bad things against you, but it means that he will use it for good. We just got to remember that that to be true about God and about the situation. Not easy. I'll be the first to admit that. Then the last thing to think about things that are true is about the future. You know, if you're a believer in Christ... The worst thing that can happen in any situation, the worst thing that could have happened to me as I was walking through that mountain would be for an earthquake to happen in that moment and it come crashing down upon me. And I die. And I go to heaven and I be with Jesus. Actually, probably not that bad. I mean, it's not what I put on the agenda for the day. <laughs> It's not the sightseeing tour of Hawaii. Okay, killed in rock slide. You know, that's, that's, that's not my plan. It'd be painful, I'm sure. But the future means if I'm a believer in Christ, it means I go be with Jesus. You see, when you think about it, like, okay, the absolute worst thing that can happen is that I go and be with God. It really puts things in perspective. This is the reason also in the future with Jesus in Matthew 6, the text that Jim read for us, it says, which one of you could by being anxious, would add a span to their life. It, being anxious doesn't help our future at all. Uh, there's a King James translation of that, that the span in the King James translation, if I remember right, is, is interpreted as height, okay? And, you know, so at my highest, I was about 6'2", and my older brother, he's about 5'7", okay? 
and you, this let me tell you, older brothers love being shorter than their, their younger brothers. They just love it, right? That verse, I remember my brother being like, yeah, which one of you, because we read the King James then, he was like, which one of you, by worrying, can make himself taller? <sighs> you know? What does it mean by worrying whether it's height or whether it's length of days, whatever it is? Worrying doesn't do anything. It really doesn't help the future at all. Think of things that are true about that, about true of the future, that worrying about this means fearful about, should you plan? Yes. Should you make preparations? Yes. But it should never be like rooted in fear and anxiety and panic because that does nothing to help the future. Difficult circumstances help us rely on God. That's true about the situation. Remember that text I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul says that they despaired even of life? Remember that I put it on the screen not too long ago? Okay. If you read on in that text, what he says there, he says, but this was done so that we would rely on God. That's what he says there, 2 Corinthians 1. That's what was true about the situation. That's what was true about God. That's what was true about the future. And so they would have a better understanding of how to rely on God. So knowing Jesus assures us of a wonderful future for all eternity. Basically, this sermon has been me sharing my heart and sharing some of the things the Lord's been dealing with me in my life about I tell you, I've had more fears and anxieties uh, than what I've shared. And it's not something I'm proud of, and it's something that actually I'm kind of embarrassed about at times. But this is what's been helping me. So let me recap this, and then uh, we'll move to the table here. Everyone has, everyone struggles with fear and anxieties. I think students, you know, you just, just understand that. It doesn't make it right or whatever, but it just means that, because sometimes the, the enemy wants us to feel like we're the only ones dealing with something. Everyone deals with this. Secondly, Jesus dealt with mental turmoil, so he understands. So when you talk to God, when you're praying to God, and you're asking God to help you in this situation, you're praying to a God who understands. This is the one thing I love about Christianity, is that we have a God who truly understands us, who truly understands, which makes Christianity unique to all the other major world religions, is that we have our God truly understands what we have gone through. So Jesus dealt with this, so he understands. Fears and anxieties, number three, are battles of the mind. Think on things that are true. If my advice to you, based on Matt, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, is this. Whenever you start feeling fearful, you start feeling anxiety building up, please, I hope this, the phrase goes through your mind over and over again. Think on things that are true. Think of things that are true. Go to the Lord. Lord, help me to see what is true about you. Help me to remember what's true about you, about the situation, about the future. Help me to rely on you in this moment. Pray, think on things that are true. And then lastly is being a Christian is meant to help you in this life as well as prepare you for eternity. You see, sometimes we look at the gospel and, and is, is, is like, oh, so that I can have my sins forgiven and so I can go to heaven one day. That's all true. But it's how, how you can live this life. And so you can live this life successfully, and so you can live this life with joy, and even in the midst of fear and anxiety.